How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, for those of you who tuned in earlier today for my Instagram live session with David Anderson, who's a part of the Los Angeles Dodgers Association, um, I appreciate you um, coming out and showing support for me as I try to continue to grow my podcast on social media and just as a channel as a whole. So hopefully I'm going to be continuing to do those Instagram live sessions every Saturday. If you haven't done so already, please go give English Encore Podcast on Instagram a follow. If you are interested in looking at today's Instagram um, live session, it is on my story currently. You can see that for 24 hours, and then it will go away. But I'm um, going to be a little bit of a shorter episode today um, as far as this podcast goes. Um, we're just going to be going through NBA awards and then NFL MVP picks for this upcoming season. You know, I talked about NHL awards a few weeks ago, so I'm going through some MVP awards today, giving my three best um, players in each category for MVP, most improved player, sixth man of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, and rookie of the year. So I'll put them in order of three, two, one, one obviously being who I picked to win. Um, we'll start off with the rookie of the year race. Um, so with third for rookie of the year, I have Kendrick Nunn. Of the Miami Heat is an undrafted player. You know, the Miami Heat organization does a great job at developing players and finding diamonds in the rough and finding guys who either go undrafted or in late rounds in, um, of the draft to really get, um, excuse me, to really get them on their main roster and contribute right away. You know, Kendrick Nunn being undrafted has been starting most of the season. Um, Dragic did start for, you know, the first 10, 15 games or so, but after that, it was pretty much Kendrick Nunn starting at that position. Um, second, I have Zion Williamson. Zion would probably be first or at least be close to first had he not missed so much time due to injury. However, since he's come back, he's been a dominant force. He had the Pelicans moving in the correct direction towards, um, getting the Memphis Grizzlies eighth seed and taking that away from them. But obviously with the NBA season on hold right now, we don't really know how that would have played out. It would have been really fun to watch. Um, the biggest concern with Zion is obviously his injury history and if his game will transfer to the NBA. So far, he's been doing really well. Um, he's definitely developed his mid-range and three-point game. It's more of can he keep being as physical as he is throughout his career and remain healthy? That we have yet to see, but... Definitely has done enough to be in the Rookie of the Year conversation. And then first, who I have as the Rookie of the Year this year is John Morant. Um, I really don't think it's that close. Like I said, I think it'd be a lot closer if Zion did play the entire year. But for a team like Memphis, who had the second pick in the draft in John Morant, and then they're already in the eighth spot and in playoff condition in a tougher Western Conference than the East, in my opinion, um, especially with Kyrie, KD, um, John Wall, um, all those type of guys out right now. Um, I think John Morant was the clear runaway for the rookie of the year. He's putting up great numbers, helping his team to the playoffs with a really young core between him, Brooks, and Jackson. And then a few veterans like Valanchunas mixed in there as well. So I think John Morant definitely deserves rookie of the year, and I'm really excited to be watching him going forward. Um, moving on to Coach of the Year. Um, this wasn't too hard, but obviously I have to talk about a couple guys that 
should definitely be considered. Uh, Mike Budenholzer for the Milwaukee Bucks definitely should be in consideration just because of how well the Bucks have played this year. Um, you know, they got bounced out in the second round last year. However, I think that they're they have a really good chance of making the NBA Finals this year if the season does continue. Uh, Mike Budenholzer deserves a lot of credit. He did an outstanding job when he was in Atlanta, now in Milwaukee. Um, second, I have Rick Carlisle, the coach of the Dallas Mavericks. I think the Mavericks have surprised a lot of people um, just because, you know, Porzingis was dealing with injury. We weren't really sure we were going to see, excuse me, with Luka in the second year. And then they had a lot of other rotational pieces like Seth Curry and guys like that that were brought in. So it was very hard to tell how they would do, but they've been surprising a lot of teams. They're right in the middle of the Western Conference and currently a playoff team. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. But I think, honestly, the no-brainer for Coach of the Year to me was Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors, solely because they really didn't have any big offseason additions, and you lost arguably a top three, if not number one, um, in some people's eyes, in Kawhi Leonard in the offseason. You know, you returned... Siakam and Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, guys like that, but they really didn't add any huge monster free agents like Kawhi or a player of that status, but yet they've still been able to remain in the top three or four in the Eastern Conference the entire season and have a good chance at making a deep run in the playoffs when it comes back or if it comes back. So to me, Nick Nurse was the easy choice for this. When you lose a player of that magnitude like Kawhi Leonard and you're able to keep your team you know, afloat, it's already an accomplishment. But what Nick Nurse has been able to do, keeping them in that top three or four in the Eastern Conference um, with a tough schedule um, is really impressive to me. For Defensive Player of the Year, um, third I had Anthony Davis of the Lakers, one of the best two-way players in the game constant paint presence if you're going in you better be taking it strong because Anthony Davis will send it back at you um, number two I had Rudy Gobert same type of thing he doesn't have much of his offensive game he's pretty much known primarily for defense he's won defensive player of the year before and does a really good job at clogging up the paint and eliminating opposing people's big man the only thing that's really knock on Gobert is because of today's modern NBA where it's more of shooting and three-point style, um, you're not seeing nearly as much big man in post play. So to me, like Giannis is my number one for defensive player of the year solely because he, Giannis can pretty much guard one through five and takes on you know, a bigger load when you face guys like LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kawhi. You know, Giannis usually takes that assignment where Gobert is usually primarily matched up on a big man. He has a tougher time on small forwards just because he doesn't move as well. You know, Anthony Davis, same type of thing, but he's a little bit better at movement and can guard, you know, small forward through, you know, center where Gobert, I think, is more of a power forward center type defender. So I would give Giannis the nod there. Um, six man of the year was pretty interesting. Um, I'm actually going to put two and three together because they're both on the same team. Um, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, you could really argue that they're both six men because they both usually come in at the same time right off the bench for the Clippers. Um, you know, Harrell does start occasionally, but um, they usually do start Zubat. And Harrell and Lou Williams are really 
key and why the Clippers are the number two seed in the West. Um, come off the bench, instant scoring, instant defensive presence, especially from Montrez Harrell. Great at pick and roll. Lou Williams consistently averages double figures and has already won six man of the year three separate times. Um, and I honestly, a lot of people probably won't vote for him just because they're tired of voting, um, having him win it, I should say. But you can't just not have him in there. But I wanted to pair those two together just because they are both on the same team. And you could argue one over the other as far as who is the true six-man. Um, but the six-man I have winning is a little bit surprising. I never would have thought this coming into the year. But Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder has done an outstanding job. He's almost averaging 20 points per game off the bench behind Chris Paul. Um, a guy that's been a starter before in Atlanta. It's kind of bounced around a little bit, but a guy that comes in off the bench, instantly gives you offense, is an okay defender, and he runs the offense very well, especially when CP3 has to go to the bench, and he does enough scoring-wise where you can have Chris Paul and Gallinari, um, guys like that, on the bench at the same time, and you're in good hands because Schroeder can really... Um, still run the offense and allow the offense to produce so I would have him as my sixth man of the year for most improved this was very tough um, just because there's a lot of guys every year that consistently improve their game number three I had Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans you know his first year with them now he's really made a huge jump in his game he's pretty much their number one option even though they do have guys like Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball Ingram pretty much carries the bulk of the load um all-star player this year really think he's going to continue to grow as a player honestly I wasn't too high on him coming out of the draft just because I thought he still needed to put on a little more body weight to deal with a lot of the small forward and power forwards in the NBA but he's done a nice job and you can definitely see that him and Lonzo and Drew Holiday and Zion now have a really nice connection they've been playing a lot better basketball the last time we saw them playing and Ingram's really been their go-to guy down the stretch of games, fourth quarter, crunch time, and he's uh, answered the call so far. Um, number two, I have Jason Tatum of the Celtics. Really continues to improve his game. I definitely think within the next two years, he will be an MVP in this league. His game was a little consistent early on in the season, but towards the end of the year right now, He's been one of the most consistent players in the NBA, both offensively and defensively, especially with the injuries around him between Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, um, Jalen Brown, all those guys missing some time. And Jason Tatum's really stepped up and kept the Celtics in the top four in the Eastern Conference for a good chunk of the season. Um, number one, I do have Bam out of bio. I think he's really made... The biggest jump personally I think Jason Tatum is the better player overall however I think this year as far as making the jump um, bam first time all-star just like Tatum but um, you know bam just offensively defensively his ability to run the floor and you know he has a great handle for a big man passes the ball extremely well pretty much averages double doubles every game really did a nice job replacing Hassan Whiteside that they got rid of and he's going to be pretty much the focal point going forward along with Jimmy Butler of how far this team can go and as great as Jimmy Butler is I honestly believe 
that however far Miami goes is going to be dictated by out of bio solely because he can defend the three through five positions and can guard guys like Giannis and Kawhi and LeBron and players like that, especially in the Eastern Conference, especially with KD not being here this year. The only big threat for him is really Giannis. And so far this season, um, the Heat have beaten the Bucks both times and has, he's done a really nice job of limiting Giannis. So I have Bam for most improved. Then for MVP, number three, I have Luka Doncic. Um, he pretty much exploded at the beginning of this year. A lot of people didn't see it coming. Setting career highs in almost every statistical category. Shooting the ball at a lot higher percentage. Really held the team down when Porzingis missed a little bit of time. Especially in the Western Conference. So Luka, I think he's another guy like Tatum. It's going to be in the running for MVPs for years to come. Number two, I do have Giannis here as well. Just because he is on the best team in the NBA currently based on record and their number one in the Eastern Conference. He's already won one MVP award and continues to dominate both in the paint, mid-range. Um, you know, he's really improved his three-point shot as well. He'll consistently be an MVP candidate for the next four or five years to come you know guys like Shaq um, and Max Kellerman and other people on ESPN TNT whoever it may be have said that Giannis has a chance to go down as one of the best to ever do it when it's all said and done um, however I have LeBron James as the MVP this year just because to me most valuable players should go to who means the most to your team and if you take LeBron off the Lakers, yes, you still have Anthony Davis. But when LeBron goes off the floor, the Lakers still struggle. You know, they could be up 13, 14 points when he leaves the game. And then when he comes back in, it's only, you know, three, four points or they're losing. They don't really have that second option off the bench. You know, they thought Kuzma would be able to handle the second unit. He hasn't been able to do it this year. And for his age and what he's been able to do, personally, I just feel LeBron is still the best player in the NBA. When everyone's healthy, it's Kevin Durant to me. But right now, I think LeBron's one. And then Kawhi and Giannis are both 1A or both are two. Um, so he would be my MVP pick. So just a quick recap. MVP, I have LeBron. Most improved, Bam Adebayo. Sixth man, Dennis Schroeder. Defensive player of the year, Giannis. Coach of the year, Nick Nurse, and then Rookie of the Year, John Morant. Um, moving on to NFL for MVP picks um, for this upcoming season. I'm going to give you the four players who I think have a real shot at winning it, and then three dark horse candidate. So number four for MVP, I actually have a wide receiver, Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's rare now in the NFL that any player outside of a running back or quarterback has a chance at winning it, but Mike Evans is one of the most dominant receivers in the NFL, and now with Tom Brady, I just think his touchdown wide receiver numbers as far as receiving in yards is only going to go up, and especially if they can win that division somehow. You know, Michael Thomas, I thought, deserved more MVP consideration Excuse me, last year, and I think Mike Evans is going to have a good chance to put his name in that conversation this year. Um, Lamar Jackson, number three, the current reigning MVP of the league. He's definitely got to be in there when you win MVP. 
you know, you're pretty much the MVP of the league until someone knocks you off that throne spot. And the only reason I have him lower, um, you know, I think a lot of people would say he's one or two. The reason I have him at three is because they did draft J.K. Dobbins in the second round and have added some more pieces around him. And I think they don't want him to run as much anymore. And I know a lot of their offense is predominantly based off of how much he runs. But I think they also have to be careful. And they do have RG3 on the roster. And he can be the first one to attest that after so many shots of your getting hit, your body can only handle so much. So I think they're going to start turning away from that a little bit. He still needs to improve a little bit as a passer. But overall, he's still definitely an MVP consideration. Number two, I have Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. You know, honestly, I'm just not a huge believer in Ryan Tannehill. And the Titans' offensive line is still pretty good. They added some more pieces, both offensively and defensively in the offseason. They're in one of the, I wouldn't say weaker, but more competitive divisions that not the best record every year. Um, You know, Jacksonville, I don't think, will be very good this year. Texans, you don't really know because a lot of their key players are either injured or they just traded away DeAndre Hopkins, so we don't really know how good they'll be. But the key to success of the Titans want to win games is giving Derrick Henry the ball. So I think he's going to get a ton of carries considering they don't really have a backup that's going to really you know, compete with him for carries. They did get rid of Deion Lewis as well, so that tells me they want to continue to give Derrick Henry the ball. But number one, former MVP last year, before Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, to me, is the favorite coming off Super Bowl and winning uh, Super Bowl MVP. The things he does on a field is just magical, and I think this is pretty much his league now, and until someone knocks him out, um, he should be the clear-cut favorite to win the MVP award. Three dark horse candidates I want everyone to keep an eye on, however. Um, Derwin James of the Chargers. I know defensive players don't get a ton of recognition for MVP voting. You know, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt, those guys in the past have been in MVP conversations. Derwin James, to me, is a Swiss Army knife. He's great at a safety spot. Can move up, cover guys in the slot. He can blitz when needed. You know, the Chargers are a completely different team when he's on the field. We saw that last year when he missed so much time. And I think if he can do some special things, especially if they can either knock off the Chiefs or make the playoffs in the same division as Kansas City, I think he should be right up there as far as what defensive players should be in these conversations. And then a couple quarterbacks to keep an eye on that are dark horses. One's a third-year starter, and this other one's a second-year starter. Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals and Josh Allen of the Bills, both in situations where they have chances to make the playoffs. In the case of Josh Allen, Tom Brady just left the division. The Bills are coming off of a playoff appearance and a season in which they went 10-6. and He consistently showed improvement, especially in the back half of the season. Um, however, he still needs to be more consistent in what happened in the playoffs. Can't happen again. And then Kyler Murray adding DeAndre Hopkins to that offense. You have Kenyon Drake for a full season now. Cliff Kingsbury, a guy he's very familiar with. They've added some defensive pieces and are only going to continue to improve. In a division, to me, that's really up for grabs just because, you know, as good as San Francisco is and Seattle is, and, you know, the Rams are right there too, 
you know, the Rams were very inconsistent last year. Seattle is really good, but they didn't add a ton of pieces in the offseason. And then the 49ers obviously look poised for another deep run, but you just really never know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if a team like Arizona did end up making the playoffs. So those are just a couple guys to keep your eye on as well. But yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Hope everyone that tuned in to Instagram live session enjoyed it. And I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. And I'll be back on Tuesday with some more Bills and Sabres stuff. And I hope everyone tunes into that. And have a great weekend, everyone.